Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with musicians about songwriting and the creative process. My name is Mike. My guest for this episode is Ryan Anderson from the Louisville, Kentucky-based band Bendigo Fletcher. This was a fun one. I was down in Austin, Texas for the South by Southwest Music Conference a few weeks ago. Always one of my favorite music events of the year. Saw a lot of great music, met some interesting folks. Among other highlights, I saw the band Yard Act, a British kind of post-punk band. Saw them in a tiny bar near the University of Texas campus. And what they said was their first ever U.S. show. They were really great. We haven't heard the last of them, that's for sure. Saw a great young band from New York City called Geese. At least some of the members looked way too young to be legally in the venues they were playing. An excellent guitar-based band. But I also had a great time seeing an act called Snapped Ankles. They were part tight synth and guitar music band. I was reminded of Devo, but also part performance artist. The backstory they tell is that they are descended from trees. They performed in costumes, tough to describe, but certainly tree-inspired. Take a look online. Uh, Their mic stands were tree branches that somehow were also synthesizers or something. Super fun and great tunes. This, to me, is one of the great joys of South by Southwest, the discovery of live shows by bands I would probably not come across anywhere else, outside my usual musical comfort zones, but so entertaining and refreshing. So this episode was recorded in the upstairs of the little Airbnb house we had rented. You can hear the birds chirping outside in the wonderful Austin spring sunshine. You also might hear the members of the band Buffalo Rose shuffling around downstairs. That's our daughter Lucy's band, who we're showcasing artists this year. So that made it a lot of fun for us this year as well. So let's talk about the band Bendigo Fletcher and my guest Ryan Anderson. This is their first full-length album. Their previous EPs were great collections, mostly in the folk, rock, and bluegrass-sounding lanes. For this record, they were lucky enough to work with producer Ken Coomer, Ken was a member of the legendary band Uncle Tupelo with Jeff Tweedy and Jay Farrar and then Wilco playing on a number of their amazing records. He's gone on to work with Emmylou Harris, Steve Earle, among many others. Working with Ken, Bendigo Fletcher was able to produce some amazing soundscapes on this record. It is so exciting to hear how these songs are progressions from their previous work. We hear Ryan talk about what a great experience it was working with Ken creating these songs. This is a record that bears repeated listens. I've been hooked on it for a couple weeks now and keep finding things I love. It actually reminds me of the great Wilco records in that way. I cannot say enough about how much I enjoyed this conversation with Ryan. I was lucky enough to land a ticket to the Luck Reunion, the event Willie Nelson and family put on each year during South by Southwest at Willie's Ranch about 30 miles outside Austin. They bring together 20 or 25 of the top acts that are in town for a really fun day. So I got to see Bendigo Fletcher play there. They were an awesome band, great musicians, and Ryan is a compelling, entertaining, attention-getting, and of course, talented frontman. He had a large crowd, many of whom were not previously familiar with their music, fully taken in by his band's set. So the next day I got to meet Ryan, and here was this modest, sincere, soft-spoken, a bit shy, but genuinely nice, witty, and certainly thoughtful person. We had a great conversation that I think you will enjoy listening to. Quick shout out to Will Harvey for putting this conversation together. Really made it smooth and easy. 
And a personal shout out to my old pal Johnny Cap, my occasional musical partner in crime, who shares in the joy of discovery with me and makes it a lot more fun. So let's get to it. Here is our Tell You What discussion with Ryan Anderson from Bendigo Fletcher. And welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. We're here in the Tell You What Studios satellite epiplex <laughs> overlooking downtown Austin. Pretty sweet, yeah. isn't it? Primo location. Yes. Opulent, would you say? Yes. 360 degrees all around opulence. <laughs> I just, I'm just looking, I realized we're kind of a between two ferns vibe going, you know, yeah. those videos? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. The more tropical um, <laughs> display here we'll try and keep it a little more on track than the, those uh, videos <laughs> go we talk plants that's fine um but welcome to south by southwest i happen to see you and your band bendigo fletcher play yesterday mm-hmm. at the luck reunion at willie nelson's ranch yes that must have been pretty cool it's very cool to see the farm um I was seeing a lot of artists who i am a big fan of so i was just uh, trying to be cool and <laughs> No, it was it was easy to be cool. Everyone was relaxed and uh, such a cool setup for a festival. I think like it was a little saloon town. Yeah, the little church building, jail. Yeah, a revival tent. Right. Yep. If Willie's vibe seemed to be permeating the proceedings there too, I felt like that. Did you get to catch his set? I didn't. We that was a little too late for my old bones. I understand. Yeah. yeah. We had to get out of there around like five to go to another gig. Yeah. There was a shuttle at eight and a shuttle at 12. And I was like, if I miss that eight o'clock shuttle, that's going to be a long day for me. Dragging yourself home. (laughs) All right. So your record, uh, Bendigo Fletcher's record, Fits of Laughter, has been out now for a bit. You've been touring it a fair amount. How would you say, if it has, your relationships to these songs has changed now that you've been out there playing them in the world? Do the stories kind of change for you over time? Um, not so much the stories. Um, I guess like it's really cool to discover that they've resonated with someone, you know, maybe someone's singing the words, which is awesome. Or even, you know, like after the show in a city that's hundreds of miles away, someone tells you that, you know, they've listened to and connected to your songs. Yeah. It's, um, They've changed in that way, and that maybe I've grown to appreciate them even more in in that way. Right. Yeah. All right, we're going to back up a bit if we can. We're mm-hmm. going to take you back in time. If we can talk about your youth, musical memories, things maybe you remember from your home or community that perhaps influences what you're creating now. Yeah. I just think back to my first music teacher. Um, her name is Ruth, and she knew that she discovered pretty early on that I I wasn't going to easily pick up reading music or wasn't maybe too ADD or whatever to to like be interested in <laughs> keeping you know eyes on the page and yeah she let she worked with my kind of natural approach to music and just let me learn this Beatles songbook by you know memory yeah. <laughs> pretty much so um, each person has a unique way of understanding how. They make music or mm-hmm. interpret it. 
and it should be free form. You know, if you can read it and play it, that's yeah, that's icing on the cake and wonderful. But it's just fine too if you're hearing it and can try to replicate, and maybe that leads you to your own creation, which is right. So, was working with Ruth the first time you were playing music? Yourself? Yeah. So, what was the instrument in question? Grade, like second grade piano lessons. Yeah. yeah. And you did you stick with it for about two years? Yeah. And then played so many sports. I was kind of more interested in being up and moving around at that age, I guess. Then eighth grade came along, and I moved to a Catholic school. Um, I got to this school where there's a church band, and like my friends are bringing their guitars to school and taking them out during lunch breaks. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh, of course, like I want to do that, be a part of that. Um, so that kind of led me so to, that was to the guitar. guitar. Yep. And then that was it. You stuck with that. And my dad had had a guitar in the house like yeah. all my life, pretty much. But so it's always been like within reach. But I didn't really embrace music as I love it now. Didn't really embrace that until a little bit older. Okay. Yeah. So when did you start to sing with the guitar? Oh, with the guitar. Um, or pretty much right away. Yeah, so that was part of it. Because I've been singing, like, you know, I love to sing. I'll, my sister would, like, get me to sing on the bus in front of her friends and stuff. Like, okay. I was, I was just singing all the time. Yeah. No, no one had told me to shut up. So but no singing lessons or choir or anything <laughs> like that? No. No, just the parrot, like, mimicry. Yeah. <laughs> Radio mimicry. <I> guess. <laughs> so when did you, you started to talk about when... You became more passionate about creating music. So when did like songwriting become a thing for you? Really right in step with the guitar. So high school you started writing songs. Yeah, about eighth grade or, or oh, high school. Wow. Time. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you feel like this was something <laughs> that was waiting, the guitar was waiting for you to pick it up and start writing songs and stuff just started bursting out of you? Pretty much. I mean, I felt like right on time. I, I guess I hadn't been like waiting for it, but... Um, Sometimes with words and speaking, like uh, <laughs> expressing myself, um, you know, I wouldn't say I was like a deficient in that as a young kid, but definitely was on the reserve side or if not like being totally wild and outlandish in front of my friends and showing off. So I knew I was a performer and I knew that I had like weird ideas yeah so maybe the guitar kind of was <laughs> allowed that to happen for you mm-hmm. interesting so were you performing in high school then yeah i made a band like right away when you were performing original songs then in high school yeah 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 any of that any of those songs survive <laughs> um no well no not not to be performed today no but uh i have some files somewhere yeah we won't dig them out today <laughs> yeah please <laughs> please. Um, so were there any other creative outlets for you along the way writing uh, poetry things like that away from songwriting yeah I kind of took an interest in poetry and liked playing with words and rhythms of words and how words go together and to make uh, something to bop your head to or yeah um, I guess music was the first like real expressive endeavor let's talk about your relationship to a creative life a creative lifestyle the push and the pull of it i read that medical school was maybe on the table for you at some for some period of your life right Mm -hmm. 
So what has it been like for you as you have decided to pursue music making as a vocation? Yeah, I think it's just, it was more of like coming to just being honest with myself. So if anything, it's just been a relief to live honestly now. Mm. Um, didn't, doesn't feel like I miss anything or wish I had gone a different way. I've just, um, I'm feeling really lucky to have found some friends to do this with and to, for our goal to be, uh, traveling together and playing music for people. Like yeah. that's, well, I saw you perform yesterday. I've been listening to your music. I think you made the right decision. I think the world is grateful that this is what you've decided to do. Appreciate that. Thank you. I'm going to get deep for a second. I, I might yeah. be going off base here. The okay. song Sugar in the Creek. Mm -hmm song about living off the grid, right? I've, I've, I think I've read you talk about that. I kind of maybe hear it as a metaphor for this choice you've made for living the creative life. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think um, it's, it's like a jumping off of the deep end story, I guess, of like turning something you've idealized into a tangible way to live. Yeah. Yeah. And the risks involved in doing that, right? Yeah. And and having fun and admitting that you're not going to know what you're doing right away. Yeah. There's just no way until you kind of live like the happy idiot for a while. Like, <laughs> it's, part of the, it's part of the process if you want to do anything new. talk about uh, creative process for a bit if we can can you talk about your songwriting process if there is a it probably is not a standard format you use but are you generally sitting with a guitar do you have a regular practice where you try to sit down every day or are you working when you get an inspiration or how are some of these songs coming about man yeah whenever i'm asked this question it's like i just uh start to beat myself up for my lack of uh, what i think should be discipline but i guess i'm just lucky like I think the hard work is more of like a mental commitment to being open. And mm. if you're not interested in the moment in making the art, it's not going to happen. And sometimes that's the biggest like hill. Like it's cause it sitting down and like delving into your thoughts and that's, that takes a lot of energy sometimes. So mm. I guess I'm just, I tried to sort of like made an understanding with myself at this point. Like I love writing songs. And if I want that to continue, my best tool 
is a healthy mind and balanced mind. Like I love, like I was talking about earlier, loved all kinds of sports at one point. So there's, you know, and my body needs a certain amount of like physical <laughs> release of some point yeah. in order to get, in order for my brain to be free. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. a, it's this constant like quest for balance. And I think when that balance is like struck and I never know when it is or isn't of course but like that's when song ideas tend to trickle through and that's when I'm like just as a person maybe feeling the song inspirations a little more clearly and honestly yeah yeah so let's follow that thread for a second do you have or had a day job landscaping I think I read Currently. right you do okay yeah. I've heard some writers say ideas come to them when they are driving, walking, keeping their brain quiet. So do you find that doing something like landscaping work allows some ideas to come up? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think, well, I think, <laughs> yes and no. Like, it just depends on the working environment. Like, I think I wrote more when I was in the grocery store because I was a little more, like, solid, like, on my own. Okay. Whereas landscaping, you have to be communicating quite often oh. if you're, like, building building retaining walls and stuff like kind of have to be part of the crew right oh okay <laughs> which makes it so you're not out like pushing a lawnmower for three hours <laughs> that those are the days when maybe yeah. i can dream a little bit yeah more uh but yeah it's a, like it's a balance and certain jobs i guess open me up for that i have a quote from the song sugar in the creek that we just talked about find your quiet mind right yeah that's mm -hmm. kind of goes to what you're talking about about yeah, <laughs> you got it. You hit. You hit on the head. I mean, sometimes. Oh, what's Should we saying? stop I, now? Um, no, I, I think we're good. <laughs> the phrase "idle hands" makes for what's the well? Energy? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. <laughs> okay, that sounds That's... a little more Catholic. <laughs> uh, I had twelve years of Catholic school myself, so <laughs> there's another one. Idle hands, something. So working hands, I guess. In this, okay. in this conversation. Is good for the brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how do you know when you have something good when you're working on a song? Do you, are you playing it for others? Are you trusting your instincts? Or are things being left behind? All those things, in yeah. a, and usually in a certain order, like instincts. I think when when you're writing a song and you, well, I I'll speak for myself. Like when, in, when I'm working on a song, I'm usually like playing it over and over throughout the course of days until I feel like it's in a cool place or, and throughout replaying it, you know, in my bedroom or whatever, you have to face those words every time and like feel, feel them. Yes. And if they're not honest or they're not doing anything for the, if they're not like moving the storyline or not resonating each time. Like there's a there's a level of excitement there each time when you know that the words are are satisfactory to. Are you recording a lot of what you're doing even in the early stages? <clears throat> Typically, yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, I've kind of fluctuated. Obviously, the last two years, I mean, we've talked about balance a lot before. In the last two years have kind of like probably shaken that for everyone. It's yes, it's a new degree of balance and my habits kind of with uh, recording and have kind of, you know, been shaken a little bit. Yeah, sure. And, um, but yeah, typically it's, 
like I said earlier, it's like being committed to the song and committed to writing. I think recording is like a big recording those early ideas that keeps it fun and you can archive those ideas and work on them years later. Yeah. So do you, you find that happens? You don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you think you're going to remember, right? <laughs> right. But do you find that happens sometimes where you have a piece of something from before and you match it up with something that you've got now and it becomes yeah. something? Yeah, I think that's a cool like metaphor for like things you learn throughout life too. Like, yeah. You have two ideas that weren't related to begin with and then making connections down right. the road, maybe that adds a whole layer of significance. And, like, musically, too, sometimes when you have differently different rhythmic sections that you can put together, mm. it's, just, it's a fun way to treat songwriting as sort of like a puzzle piece. Yeah. We're going to get into that a little bit about how you bring different musical sounds together in the same song. Um, cool. But I want to ask you, the natural world seems to have a strong presence in your music and the lyrics. Um, mm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I've always just been very moved or, or like relieved or comfortable by in like trying and noticing nature and the moon and clouds and trying to learn plant names and when I'm in that frame of mind and can and can appreciate nature it tethers me to like a better just a better version of myself I guess and, yeah um I'm able to give more to in, in my relationships. Like I think it's the same way. I'm able to give more to to writing songs, perhaps too. Right. Um, so the natural world is a, is a major presence in in all all of music. Really, I think the music that I tend towards as a listener and appreciate, like there's a certain gel with the band. Like, I'm thinking of the band Big Thief. Yeah, sure. They seem to have just found this um, alchemy together that is, it feels like nature. Like, it's... The relationship it's, between the band members, you're saying. Band members, the songwriting, and um, the singing, and, you know, every, I'm such a big fan. So it's yeah. like, I kind of get transfixed on when a piece of art, or music in this case, is, it feels so natural to the, the soul's <laughs> kind of... Uh, um, that's interesting so you're kind of saying that the, the band and the music production as is literally like part of the natural world and the, 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 the I order think the of that great music kind of does that for me like yeah. i would put it in the same category. so that's maybe your model for your band and what you are trying to Man. create no i mean it's such a high mark to hit yeah. um and i think if you probably can't think about it too much in order for <laughs> it to work it's just that again back to like trying to be open and letting energy through yep. as much as possible rather than trying to control. Okay, we're going to talk about this great album you released recently, Fits of Laughter. You worked with Ken Coomer on this, mm -hmm. right? I'm old enough to remember Uncle Tupelo. Oh, me and, too. And I'm from Chicago, so <laughs> big fan there. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this was a good idea. I've heard the album. It must have been a real treat to work with him. Can't I can't uh, quite articulate how much of a treat it was and is you know we, we're good friends yeah. now and um I think I think a soulmate is like is not limited to romantic relationships okay. I'm, I'm so lucky to have met Ken because he's just 
he's a good example of appreciating what comes your way and working with the natural flow of what's in the room, what sound do we need next, uh, who has an idea here, like, it's a very open room working with him, and our band benefited from that presence in that, you know, kudos to bands that, um, that produce their own stuff, like, I I think we'll get there at some point, and, but... I think I, I would rather like spend some time learning first before we people like that particularly. Oh yeah, like just such Ken said such a good example of working as a team and yeah, his penchant for finding tones and knowing what's gonna make the uh, the songs pop. Yeah, really grateful to yeah. have worked with him. So aside from the production. And the arrangements on this album being a bit of a departure for you from your previous music, <clears throat> you know, more trippy sounds, bigger productions maybe than your previous recordings. Do you feel the writing of these songs is different? Was it a different process, maybe different subject matter than you'd been writing about previously? Yeah. Like I think of a song like Donkey Boy Blues. I think I was like having empathy for myself as a child. <laughs> Okay. When that song came out. And, like, it's not something I think about every day. That <laughs> song was just kind of born out of a moment of bored nostalgia, I guess. Um, and I'm really grateful that, that it was born. And anyway, that's an example of kind of, like, how this some of the subject matters. I couldn't have predicted that I would have been writing about it. Would okay. you say that it's more personal than you wrote about in the past? Is that yeah. maybe the change? Yeah, I think um took some risks. Yeah, with, that's a pretty risky move, right? Yeah. There's a I was listening to a podcast, man, I forget what the podcast is called, but they essentially it puts two thinkers in the same like two artists together and they yeah. just talk to each other. This yes. one was Connor O'Burst and Matt Berninger. So the national and the bright eye yep. bright eyes leads lead guys. And one of the things talk I took house. From, talk house, yes. yeah, yep. You maybe have heard that. It's a good one, yes, yes. And I think the I hear it all the time in my head after having listened to that. It's like if it doesn't feel a little bit risky. I mean, a, a fun pop song is one thing, right, or whatever. Like you can mountains can be moved with with a good melody and a dancey rhythm in pop songs, but like. Something personal, if it doesn't feel a little bit risky and you're not a little bit insecure, um, it's you, I should say it's, it's a good, it's usually a good sign. It's a good sign, yeah. And that's why you sing your songs for people before you release them <laughs> in most cases, because if there is something that is, um, you know, it's a way to workshop those really personal ideas that maybe can be sometimes backed off from to make it up you are a judge of that yourself maybe right and you need to bounce that off someone else is that what you're saying yeah yeah um or if there's you know sometimes opinions leak through Hmm. uh, some of the early stages of the song that you know it's a tough world right now and yeah there are some strong and also like uh a skew opinions that we go through in order to get to our 
sound opinions, perhaps. Yeah. And some of those jagged edges can be... <laughs> left behind. Yeah, it can be left behind or, or rounded off yeah. to say the same sentiment with not as extreme language or right. something like that. Interesting. Um, so anyway, insecurity and taking risks, like, I think that's something I'm embracing a little more and maybe on this album. Okay. Well, let's get personal. All right. I want to talk about the song Retail Lord. Yeah. I love hearing and talking about people's interesting, weird dreams. I'm always fascinated by this. This song, you say, I had a dream. I want to hear about this sword fights and all Mm -hmm. tell us the story of this song. All right. Um, I mean, like sometimes I have dreams about like some of my favorite musicians and it happens. Inspirations, I guess, like are in my head and will manifest in dreams. Mm. And in this one, I haven't decided if it's weird to like name this person or not, but <clears throat> one of my favorite bands, um, was, they're called St. Seneca. Yes. And so the lead singer and I were fighting we're like sword fighting to the death in a department store. This is your dream, just to be yeah, clear. Yeah, I can okay. see like a an almost like Wes Anderson very balanced shot of it. And like your sword fighting. <laughs> and on the intercom was one of their songs, like okay. in the store. Yes. So I was working in a in at a grocery store at this time, and what was the song? Um, Happy Alone. Okay. And I got to be honest, like I think there's some rhythmic like. Uh, similarities between the, the song that came out of this dream. Okay. Um, I think they I'm, would approve. I'm grateful for that too, you know? That's the way it, that's the way it works. Yeah. So you're but sword fighting. We're sword fighting in the, you know how in dreams you just, something is implied and not necessarily like portrayed by yep. whatever image you're seeing. <laughs> yeah. like a really strong feeling like I have to get out of here or... <laughs> Uh, whatever. Someone's behind the door. Like, how would you know that? But it's yes. a dream. But so you know it. Um, <laughs> so the sword fights, and I knew this whole time in the dream would be whoever dies is free of this retail job. So like, oh, in I killing see. in killing one another, you would be doing a favor. Like, <laughs> yes, and so. Um, it's kind of like the first verse. Yes. And then, you know, I kind of turned those strong feelings into a love song, like later on into the song, um, just in thinking about my now, my partner and now wife, Annie. Oh, Um, excellent. Yeah. So, so the latter half of the song, you know, that's part of it. I would say that the romance is a small part of the song still. Like it's, it's kind of just like a gratitude letter to nature and love in general. Great music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I dream we worked in a department store together in 1987 in the middle of an aisle we were doing swords with the title of immaculate retail lord from the back of house to the blood on the floor Nine. 
So, you seem to employ, for lack of a better term, the element of surprise, as I like to see it in some of your songs and your performances, like I saw yesterday. Songs go surprising places, tempos change, and your live set, there was like a wonderful loud roar at the end of the dog song that, you know, kind oh, of yeah. took the crowd and by surprise at first, but drew them in, right? So is this something you think about, capturing attention with the unexpected? Yeah, like there's little moments of, uh, I guess, galvanization that can bring mm. bring attention, and that feels like a tricky way to, like an almost conniving way to write. Um, but I'm definitely thinking about, like as as the band has grown and gotten more, serious about playing with each other and making time for that, you start to think about your your um, impact. And by that, I just mean presence in a room hmm. and, like, what can... Peaks and valleys that can happen during a live show. Yes. Like, sometimes I think about that in writing more more times than others. Yeah, because yeah, it's both, right? It's, it's in the writing of the song, but also in a live performance, and you're talking about taking it from the live performance and thinking about it in the in the creation process. Yeah. And when things go well, like the instincts when you're writing will just make that happen right. any, anyway. Yes. It doesn't but, have to be contrived. <clears throat> yeah, but perhaps there are moments like we need to get big here and we need mm -hmm. to add more symbols yeah. or whatever. Well let's talk about the song Evergreen. Because I think this is a good example of some mm -hmm. of that, right? Yeah. What can we say about the song? It it is Wild is the song that first grabbed my attention. I think a lot of other people's too on this record. It, it really jumps out. Um, we are taken on a wild journey with this song. I think I read this song has been around for a while, right? It, it was maybe in your yeah. live repertoire before. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about this song's journey? Why now and not before? And maybe in the context also of the journey within the song and how those different parts come together and how that happened. Yeah. We had recorded this before, um, like a different version of what was eventually released. And I guess didn't quite nail it to our standards, I guess, you know. It has a certain bigness to it that in our recording journey... I guess I should just give credit to working with Ken Humor here, like, because it just needed to be tracked and, and recorded in the right way and someone to feel the tempo with us and say oh that's that's the, the tempo that makes me like love the song yeah um yeah i mean i hate to say that it might have been like it's a, it's more produced it has you know we put some resources into it yes i'll just, I'll just say and this, i think it benefited from that yeah from from having had the time to marinate I'm just trying to find what felt natural. And the more we played it, it took some years, but yeah. the more we played it, we were able to, I think, find well, something that's fun to play over and over. <laughs> I would say your instincts were correct, obviously, in not re releasing what you had recorded before. You knew its moment wasn't there, right? And uh, Yeah. And what you ended up producing, you know, you can call it a lot of studio time or whatever, but I saw you play it live yesterday. It worked in the live setting, so it wasn't magic behind the board that yeah. made this song. You guys can make yeah. it happen.
leads me to a question about using your voice, how you use your voice as an instrument. You've got an amazing voice. The range is fascinating, frankly, to listen to. So can you talk about how you think about using your voice from a creative perspective? Does it enter into the creative process, songwriting, these interesting places you go vocally? I think for me, the melody and how, how a song feels to sing and that feeling honest is top priority. And I, it wasn't always like that. Like when you started performing, sometimes it's like, you know, with a range, there's a limit to how much you want to be in the high register. Cause I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say that, like, I mean, you wanted just because you can go yes. there doesn't mean you should all the time, right? And I think that took you me. You want to be Mariah Carey, right? <laughs> Unless you can be, <laughs> and that took. I think that took a little bit for me to appreciate. Yeah, but you know, it's one of those things where I'm to use your forces of, for good instead of evil. Let's say right, not to tire people's ears. Yeah, um, but listening to my favorite singers, like. That's the education there. Mm. Like, you kind of listen to where where they go and, yeah, keeping it natural. Keeping it... Well, natural. it works. Thanks. And we'd wake in the middle of the night To drink good health to the following day song ulterior motives this one might be my favorite song i'm not quite sure why wow. yet i just keep coming back to it i'm so glad to hear that um <laughs> first of all you are the second one of my recent guests that have written songs instructing us to call our mothers which oh, is yeah? pretty good advice what was the other one do you remember uh boy golden he's a performer out of canada he's up I'll, I'll tip you off to the song okay. after it's a it's a great great tune your lyrics often have interesting bits of humor in them. I read that you are a fan of Loudon Wainwright. Do I have that right? Yeah. Oh, I love his writing. He could like twist a common phrase just perfectly sideways, right? To kind of grab your brain and make you think and be like, yes, I know what he means there. And it's mm -hmm. funny, right? Yeah. So your line here in this song, he ain't looking out for you. He's flipping the scripture to do the things he wants to do. That really caught my ear and made me think of like a Loudon kind of slight mm -hmm. turn of a common phrase. So, can you talk about this song, maybe in the context of using humor as a lyrical device? Yeah. I think that was a driving force for why I, like, ever took the time to work on this song, was just to have a little fun. Okay. And I think it ended up kind of being, like, a cautionary thing, tale, or not, it's not really a story, but, like, little snippets or vignettes, um... As you age and I guess I should say as you mature, as I matured, starting to see things, start to pick up on things like capitalism and uh, little tactics that are used to influence other mm -hmm. people's decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be like really frustrating to sit with. 
And so you just have to laugh at it and try to try to be aware. Yeah. Yeah. I guess trying to make sense of this one is, is hard to uh, convey. Other than that, there's a feeling of truth inside of everyone, I think. And this song for me was just like sort of recognizing this scenarios where I didn't feel that and hmm. didn't feel that truth and kind of calling those out and sometimes all you need to do is if you're fortunate to be able to call your mom right uh realign even if you're asking for money <laughs> being honest is gonna go a long way <laughs> yeah my daughters and her band are crashing downstairs i hope she's listening they <laughs> yeah. should call their parents all the time yes <laughs> Make sure she knows you love her well The money is never gonna lend itself Don't beat around the bushes Pick up the phone and make the call He ain't your brother He ain't looking out for you He's flipping the scripture To do the things that he wants to do I'll say all you need is love how come you don't want to We're talking all teary Brian, I've really enjoyed this time. I have one more question, kind mm -hmm. of a bigger picture question for you. You've been at this for a while now, writing songs since high school. Is there something or things you think you've gotten better at, or maybe something you are working towards getting better at as a creative person? We've kind of hit on some of those things, but did, yeah. does anything strike you now? Um, I think just, I think I'm trying to just appreciate uh, the opportunities that the band is getting to to play music around the country meet some really amazing musicians and and sound crews and like just the people you meet doing this are um to me they're heroes uh all of all of them just make everyone in um live music production and making music, uh, podcasting, podcasting. <laughs> yes. Sharing the music, sharing the songs, yeah. um, appreciating them out loud. <laughs> Seriously. Um, that's the village it takes to make live music, uh, louder. I'm just really grateful to, to be part of it. And enjoying the moment that you're, you're in. Right. If anything's going to be beneficial for, my songwriting, uh, which is a selfish endeavor to some degree, it's going to be um, appreciating those relationships and yeah. meeting people who are all in it for the right reasons of of just sharing yeah. sharing music. And so, you're about to go out on the road with Shaky Graves. You're telling me before that's a perfect example of someone that's oh my gosh, fascinating, creative person, right? Yeah, 
Um, got to meet him last night. Uh, he's so, such a sweet guy, and the whole band, really sweet people. Their performance was electric. Uh, and I'm so excited to see it for like seven nights in a row. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time. I know everybody's so busy this week, so I appreciate your taking this time out to spend this time with us. And I, I hope you have a great rest of your week here in Austin. Thanks, Mike. It's been fun talking to you. Call your mother.